Hey everyone, and welcome to the Fine Poetry Podcast. My name is Fina. Now that we've wrapped up our special Easter episode, which I hope you enjoyed, I am back to what I do best, talking about sad poetry, which is also my favorite kind of poetry, so... This week's poem is by someone who is one of my former tutors at Cardiff Metropolitan University, Christina Thatcher. I took a poetry class with her for a year and um, it completely changed my approach to poetry. When I came to Cardiff, I didn't think of myself as a poet. I thought of myself as a prose writer. And in Cardiff, for the first time, I had three weekly writing workshops, which was a lot, but it was amazing. And um, one of those was exclusively poetry, one of those was exclusively prose, and one of those was a mixture. So you were allowed to write in whichever form you chose. And I entered this, these courses thinking, yeah, I'm a prose writer, like poetry, I don't know. And two weeks into the poetry class, I thought, oh, huh, okay. And um, everything changed, and now I'm a published poet. And um, yeah, poetry is a huge part of my life, and I don't know how to do prose. I don't know how to prose. Who even who even knows what that is? And yeah, that's mostly thanks to Christina. And um, the poems she brought into class every week, the prompts she gave, and also the amazing feedback that she provided on the poems we brought to class. Today I'm going to read to you from Christina's first collection, More Than You Were which was published by Parthian Books in 2017. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is that Christina's second collection, How to Carry Fire, has come out this April, also with Parthian Books. And I'm incredibly excited to get my hands on it and read it and read it again and again, just as I have done with this one. And then finally featuring it on the podcast. The poem I want to talk about today is Etiquette. And for those who know the collection, you'll know there's a larger context for all of the poems in this collection. But for now, I want to leave the context on the side because this poem on its own does an amazing job of turning an experience that so many people have into something tangible, into a poem. And um, I want you to experience that on its own first. Etiquette. I knew when you died, I would no longer be good at dinner parties. My friends laughed about it. I stopped caring for pleasant things. Forget the weather, budding careers, teething children. Tell me about your trauma, the nights when you can't sleep. Tell me when you failed, clipped like a deer in the forest. Tell me things you never wanted to tell anyone. Only the worst will sate me now. This is one of my favorite poems in the collection. And um, you are very welcome to roll your eyes at this next statement. It's one of my favorite poems because it's so relatable. It takes the experience of personal loss and trauma and condenses it into one specific example dinner parties, and how social norms suddenly become incredibly insignificant after you've lived through loss or a traumatic event. The first three lines of the poem 
are already quite ambiguous. The speaker says, I knew when you died, I would no longer be good at dinner parties. The first two lines have no punctuation. This is especially important for the first line. I knew when you died. And you could read that several ways. I knew when you died, I would no longer be good at dinner parties. Or I knew when you died, I would no longer be good at dinner parties. And to me, this opens up several lines of interpretation. One of them is the speaker writing this line after the fact, saying to this person, after you died, I just knew I wouldn't be good at dinner parties. But there's another line of interpretation that is open to us due to the lack of punctuation, which is, I knew when you inevitably would die, I'd no longer be good at this thing. So there's an interesting contrast between speaking about something after the fact and foreshadowing an event that you know is going to happen. My friends laughed about it. I stopped caring for pleasant things. Forget the weather, budding careers, teething children. The speaker makes it clear to us how insignificant social conventions can become in the face of trauma. How pleasant things cease to be interesting. Talking about the weather, somebody's career that is just taking off, asking after the baby, all of that becomes insignificant. And there's a really interesting line break there. Forget the weather, budding careers, teething children. So forget the weather, budding. These two phrases are in the same line. And then we break the line and say careers, teething children. And it creates a very interesting metaphor. So for one thing, there's just the surface level reading of the speaker no longer cares about the weather or somebody else's career that might just be taking off or their children. But it also creates a beautiful image of a career as something that unfolds like a leaf on a branch. Because the word budding is associated with the word weather in the same line. It creates this image of spring, of buds on branches, leaves that unfold. New beginnings, you could say. Hopeful things. But the speaker no longer cares about these things. The speaker asks of their friends. Tell me about your trauma. The nights when you can't sleep. Tell me when you failed, clipped like a deer in the forest. In the face of loss and grief and traumatic events, so many things become insignificant. And one of the few points of connection one is able to find with fellow humans, with friends, with family, is their own trauma. Because the good things, the pleasant things, the hopeful things seem unimportant. And they do nothing to connect you to these other people. Because you yourself might be feeling like none of these things will ever happen to you again. 
but other people's trauma forges a connection between humans. Because you suddenly realize you're not alone. Other people have experienced loss and other traumatic events. And by sharing, you create a connection and maybe create a bridge across our individual grief to form a kind of more collective grief. So tell me about your trauma, the nights when you can't sleep. Tell me when you failed, clipped like a deer in the forest. The four lines I've just read out appear to be looking again for a connection to other people. The shared experience of insomnia and looking for the reasons behind it. Saying, I can't sleep because I'm a survivor of sexual assault. I can't sleep because I've suffered a tragic loss. I can't sleep because I'm so afraid for the future. And sharing these experiences can forge a connection between people. Tell me when you failed, clipped like a deer in the forest. So the speaker is also asking about regrets. Tell me about the things you've done wrong. Tell me about the things you've failed to achieve or that made you feel wanting, that made you feel like you've lost something essential, like a deer that's lost their antlers. Tell me things you never wanted to tell anyone. Only the worst will say to me now. These three final lines again have very interesting line breaks. Tell me things you never wanted to tell anyone. So again, these line breaks preserve the ambiguity of the statements. Tell me about the things you never wanted to happen, but also the things you never wanted to disclose. And then the last one and a half lines. Only the worst will say to me now. As opposed to the first three lines, which are ambiguous and quite quiet, the two final phrases, only the worst will sate me now, which carry this burning sense of resolve that are much more ferocious than the first lines. Only the worst will sate me now. These lines uncover the speaker's hunger for connection through trauma. The hunger for other people's terrible experiences, for knowing you're not alone, and for hearing all those stories. So you feed yourself with stories similar to your own, with stories of trauma and loss and sadness and grief, in order to fill that hole that your loss or trauma has left inside of you. If you want to connect with Christina, and I encourage you to do so, she is a lovely human being and an incredible poet. You can find her on her website, christinathatcher.com, or on Twitter, at Write to Empower. Christina also hosts the Cardiff-based writing group, Roth Writers. So if you're based in Cardiff, I encourage you to check it out. Of course, at the moment, the Roth Writers are not meeting in person, but via Zoom. And you can find them on Twitter, at Roth Writers. So you can keep up to date about current meetings and um, maybe even join if you like. You can find me on Twitter at Fina Stargard. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag FinePoetryPod. 
I always forget the hashtag and I'm going to be making a bigger effort to not forget the hashtag. So if you want to tweet about the show, hashtag findpoetrypod. You can find me on my website, josefinestagert.wordpress.com. Finally, you can rate or review the show on iTunes or Apple Podcast. That would be incredible because it helps other people find the show and um, boosts us up in the iTunes algorithm and it also makes me incredibly happy. So if you have a moment to spare, please leave a rating. It helps us out a lot. And if you, re if you leave a review and you're not based in Germany, please let me know so I can check the international reviews and say thank you to you in person. That is it for today, folks. I hope you're all keeping well and safe. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.